Next on BYUSN, what's the most revealing month of games on the Cougar football schedule? Plus, how about this matchup? 1984 Holiday Bowl against Michigan against the 2009 win over Oklahoma. They face off in the best BYU football wins bracket, and Robbie Bosco joins us to weigh in. I'm sure he's got an unbiased opinion on that one. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, June 21st. I am Jerem Jordan alongside Gummy Worm fan Dave McCann. Have you seen this? Old Dominion, or, or uh, it's Oral Roberts. They're in the College World Series. Yes. And when a kid gets a hit, he gets to first base, and the coach gives him a gummy worm. And, like, feeds it to him. Just and, like. and, and feeds it to him. <laughs> that just sounds, I, so that sounds wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, I, I guess. Uh, softball uh, has did this for a long time. I don't, I don't know if they're still doing it, but you get to first base, you get handed some candy. What I do you want? That's kind of fun. You get a hit. What do you want to get at first base? It's got to be sugar. I need that, you know, little extra to get me to second, maybe on a stolen base. I'd like a small plate of nachos, maybe a drink. <laughs> that, you know, with an extra thing of nachos. <laughs> the cheese is never the right amount, right? You got to eat you faster because the pitcher's on the clock now. Can you imagine but... like a paper plate of just, <laughs> just a little like, snack? What are you doing over there? Maybe, Pay attention. A, maybe a small buffet, so you have a sampler. <laughs> I don't know. A little but... piece of cougar tail, like tiny little, you know, sample size. Hey, Oral Roberts is a great story. I don't even know how they got to where they Bob are. Bob Roberts doing work here. Yeah. Man, so you watch. They get to first base. They get a gummy worm. How about that? Congratulations. I don't know what happens at home. You get Down a base cash percentage. payment. I, <laughs> well, NIL now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the on-base percentage, uh, super high this year, as they bowed out yesterday in the tournament. Yeah, so they need more, right. need more candy. Two TCU, Big 12 schools, so we're kind of proud of that. TCU's so. not doing gummy worms. They're like, we no. expect our guys to get a first They're doing base. straight, uh, this is your assignment. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, Whatever motivation you need. You know? We'll see at home. BYU's going to have a eye-opening experience in baseball next next spring. It's going to be a lot of fun. Just we, we, we saw TCU. They were good in yeah. the league, in the Mountain West, man. Hey, on today's show, national champion quarterback Robbie Bosco is going to be here in studio. we got a lot to talk to him about, including Keaton Slovis. And the best win bracket, we'll talk to him about the 1984 Michigan versus 2009 Oklahoma. Things are starting to tighten up as these matchups become huge. We're going to rank the passion of BYU's fan base in the Big 12. Somebody's done it. We'll see if they're on the money. Plus a report on how the Saints plan to use Peyton, or, uh, Taysom Hill in their offense this season a little differently than in years past when he's played every position. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see how he's used. We'll talk about it. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Touchdown to Cody Epps! Hopefully there's at least six of those win-win-wins. What's Trending is presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Okay, this fall, BYU football embarks on three important months in its first season in the Big 12. We will learn a lot. So, Dave, what is the most revealing month of games on BYU's schedule? Well, first of all, it's the great month of June, which gives us opportunities to dive into these kind of topics and expand on them because when you start thinking about it, you know, there's September, there's October, there's November. Which is the most revealing? I'm going to go to November. Here's why. Uh, since BYU became an independent, November's been a very tough month. And when they've gone to a bowl game, with the exception of maybe the Boca Raton Bowl in 2020, they're so far from full strength. And in that 2020 year, they didn't play any P5s. Uh, so here they come into a season where they're playing 10. Uh, 
They're going to play six before they get to November, and then they've got four straight weeks. And in November, you've got uh, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. There are sexier games in October, for sure. Um, but November is the revealer of where we are as a program. How deep is the roster? Can they be healthy coming out of Oklahoma State and march into a bowl game at full strength? That's, that's where you want to be, right? One, you want to be in a big bowl game, and you want to go there with your starters, healthy and getting after it. Uh, so November, to me, is the revealer of where are we at? Is BYU going to be able to compete in the Big 12 sooner than expected? Or is the reality, okay, we have seriously got to get deep. They tried to get deep this, this last year, and we believe they are. November's the revealer for me. What about you? Can I say January for a big-time <laughs> bowl game? I, I wish. Uh, define full strength because I, I don't think in football you there's like any way you get to full strength. So is it like – Starting quarterback. The starting quarterback starting still running good. back. Best receiver. Okay. Uh, guys who didn't play in the bowl game uh, at, at, in the New Mexico You know all bowl. the names of the starters <laughs> in the bowl game probably. <laughs> guys, guys that go, this is our team as yeah. opposed to, um, okay, you know what, let's move this uh, four-string quarterback. It's going to start now. Don't throw any passes, yeah. just run. Uh, or, or just go back to where, when since the last time, outside of Zach Wilson, it's been a long time where the starter has marched in into the postseason healthy. Jaron uh, Hall never played in a bowl game. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. Not fun fact. So, and, and you know what? It's we get beat up early. Uh, and that's why I went to November. Like, what, are we still standing in November health-wise? And can we get to the point where if we are going to play in a big bowl, you got to take your team to the big bowl yeah. and, and, and compete. And now you're at the elite level. And the elite level has healthy players or at least depth where one can replace another one. Yes. So if you didn't get to you know, full strength there, but the backups are good enough to sort of sustain close to the same standard, maybe 75 80% or something, that would be good too. Okay, I go with September. I think that will reveal how good BYU needs to be in the back seven because – I think if BYU can start fast, in the final seven, they don't have to be as good when it's tougher, right? So obviously you need to come out of the gates 2-0 against Sam Houston and Southern Utah. At Arkansas, that's a, that's a penciled loss. It's not in Sharpie, but if BYU goes down there and wins, listen, that changes the whole dynamic of the season, sure right? Does. Can't, at Kansas is a tough game. That was a terrible defense, an excellent offense. That, that could be a shootout. Cincinnati at home, I've said it. There's no way BYU's losing this game. There will be too much juice there. The hope is you go 4-1, and one, you're out of the gates like that, and then you only really need two wins, the final seven. The pressure's off in the bowl game pursuit there, which is the minimum threshold this year. But if you start 4-1, and one, we're going to start to talk about 8-9 and nine and maybe even 10 wins this season. But don't be deceived. It's a very tough schedule. It's going to be difficult. The beat-up factor is real. I argued early in Independence. I was like... BYU is getting injured more early because of how tough these games are. I can't really quantify it very well, but David Nixon one time said that Lance Reynolds told him about, you know, 09. He's like, oh, man, Oklahoma and Florida State, we're going to be we're gonna be battered after September. And he was right. Yeah. Like, that, as good as that team was, they go 11-2. They're awesome. We're going to talk about Oklahoma coming up later. That team got beat up. BYU has to be able to sustain itself in a different way than it has in years past. They have a new strength and conditioning coach. They're not going to do as many squats for positions that maybe don't need it, like quarterback and whatnot. It's, I talked to one player yesterday who told me, I wasn't very sore in the past. Like the same muscles were getting used, but they were getting strong. 
He said, it's full body right now. Like, I, we use different muscle groups all the time. He said, I feel well-rounded. He wasn't dogging on the previous thing, but he was just saying, I'm more sore than I was before now. So hopefully BYU and that, that sort of soreness in June reveals that, hey, in October and November, BYU hopefully can sustain some level of minimum injury stuff. Certain ones happen no matter what. But Brian Logan told us a couple weeks ago, there are certain injuries that you can prevent. Like, if he said, listen, if there are two uh, pulling offensive linemen in a play, I'm not going to take them straight on. They're going to crush me. I'm going to get at their knees, right? I'm going to block them so someone else can come make the play. There are these moments. They're harder to define. But I think if BYU comes out strong, at least three and two, then you can go three and four in the back seven. Because October is tough, too. Like, yeah. we didn't mention October. October isn't the most revealing to either of us, but it is the toughest. You get a bye week, which is well-placed, by the way. We should win that. <laughs> BYU goes 1-0 in the bye week. Um, at TCU, they, they return only half their starters from last year. Okay, Different squad, obviously, but a lot of talent. Texas Tech finished in fourth in the Big 12. I think that's a thing that we forget. Texas Tech was better than you think last year. That's at home. Um, you know, Maybe we can get Patrick Mahomes to that game. And then you have at Texas, right. a place that BYU certainly won. But I don't, I don't think Keaton Slovis is sitting there going, guys, we won here in 14. We can do it we again. We can do like, it again. Yeah, it's, Taysom Hill's not coming in that. <laughs> not coming through that door. I wish the Saints bye week was that week. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw Taysom a couple weeks ago. We were like, dude, what if you ran the flag out on that one? That would be awesome. That man. would be awesome. <laughs> I, you know, the physicality is, is so much greater. BYU's never seen this kind, right? Yep. Uh, they played seven P5s uh, two years ago. Uh, went six and one, right? Um, but they weren't back-to-back. Uh, they were scattered about, and, and USC was the one where we didn't see Hall again after the USC win. We had other guys banged up after the USC Thanksgiving weekend win. They weren't around for the bowl game. Um, the physicality, and, and I, that's why I went to November for the revealer of, did we make it? You're uh, going to have to qualify in November for a bowl game, I think. Right, and, and, and September is huge because uh, do we have it? Do we have it? Did we make it? And then you got, like, uh, you know, October is like the middle of a ding-dong. It's like, well, everyone wants to play Texas. What's Texas going to have? You know, is Arch Manning going to be playing because the other guy's hurt by then? Because they, too, have the same. Everyone's got that same kind of schedule. We just know that those guys have done it before. Um, and we're just as curious as, as heck because it's hurt us through independence. We still want those games, but it's hurt us. Uh, every month's intriguing. The start and the finish, hey, those are, those are easy pickings. The hope is that in October you can get a win. Like, I'd take one and two out of those three. If you go 0-3, you better hope for a good start, good finish. Yeah. Because if you go 3-2 and two in, in, in September and you don't win one in October, you've got to go 3-1 and one to make a bowl game in November. And that's a tough slate with the, biggest, the longest road trip you've got of the season. You've got to beat Iowa State at home, yeah. Oklahoma at home, at Oklahoma State. There's no Idaho States in there. Welcome to Power 5 football. There's no BYU TV game on a Saturday at 1 p.m. in November anymore, <laughs> no, right? That no, game, not. That game does not exist. It's on ESPN+. Okay, but this we know, sitting on June 21st, that the Big 12 is right around the corner. Countdown to the Big 12. Ten days away. Will you sing with me one day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. If I know it's coming, I might even join you. <laughs> 
I didn't know you guys still sang that. We still so. sing it. You know, we get a little cool. We didn't sing it yesterday because you were gone, me and Bilo. Yeah. We just Bilo's got the monotone, songs. but he goes after it. I appreciate that. <laughs> ten our, days. Our question, yeah, ten days, and we got a uh, we got a big show on July first as well coming up. Our question of the day is this: What is the most revealing month of games on BYU's football schedule? Linda Murray on Instagram. September. Those games will show how we can handle the schedule. Five games with travel to Arkansas uh, and Kansas, by the way. Hopefully coming out with some big wins to head into a tough October against Texas teams. Yeah, it is the Texas month. Yeah. Brian Buss on Twitter. Most revealing is October. Road games at TCU and Texas. But most important is September. BYU, I think, has to start 4-1. and one. They want to be pretty assured of a bowl game. A 1-2 October and 1-3 November are quite possible. That back seven's brutal. I, I think the first five, and like as good as Kansas is, it's like that's one of the more winnable Big 12 games. So hey, the beauty, get after it. The beauty of being in a conference is everyone's schedule is brutal, right? We're looking at ours. That's brutal for us. No one has a cakewalk. Not alone. Those last seven are going to be tough for everybody. Yep. And there's room for some error, but there's got to be opportunities for really big performances. Okay, it's time for our best BYU football wins bracket. In case you missed it, we've seeded the top 16 wins in BYU football history as we see them. We let you decide on Twitter by voting each day. We present the matchup of the day, uh, discuss it, and then you can go to BYU Sports Nation's Twitter account to vote on that matchup. Then the next day, we show the results. The winner moves on. Um, and then we introduce the next matchup of the day. Robbie Bosco walked in. That's not going to intimidate us uh, in how we discuss the scared matchup coming up. Yesterday, we had an interesting one. The four seed, uh, 2006 Utah. The five seed, 1996 Cotton Bowl of Kansas State. Moving on to the second round with a 52% of the 52! That almost close enough to demand a recount. Wow. But it is Beck to Harleen, 2006, moving on. Oh, my. That was closer than I thought. I thought Beck to Harleen would be surely through. It was close. Get to fight through the emotion of Beck to Harleen to realize that New Year's Day, Cotton Bowl, CBS, Big 12 opponent, and a victory. That's that's why it was close. One it could have gone either way. I would have been actually okay if Kansas State had, had, had one now. Oh, I would not yet. Beck to Harleen's got to go through. <laughs> that, I mean, January 1st, though. Like You could argue that's the biggest bowl game BYU's ever Absolutely. won. Absolutely. And if they get to the Pop-Tarts Bowl this year, <laughs> the Pop-Tarts Bowl will pay out like that'll $7 be the million most, more That'll be the, the most Cotton money. <laughs> plus inflation. That's some Pop-Tart. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's time for our matchup of the day. title fight in Vegas, our matchup's a doozy. We had a couple of big brands, the two seed in our bracket, the 1984 Michigan game, taking on the seven seed, the 2009 Oklahoma game. And we start with the 1984 Holiday Bowl against the Wolverines. Cougars enter the game 12-0, ranked number one in the country. Turned the ball over six times and trailed 17-10 in the fourth quarter. Robbie Bosco to Glenn Kozlowski in one of the greatest catches of all time. And then later he's moving up in the pocket. Kelly Smith's open in the end zone. And BYU goes up 24-17. Marv Allen seals the game with an interception. Jim Harbaugh was hurt over on the sideline watching it all. The Cougars win it 24-7, finish 13-0. And the football program's only national championship 
And what I, I still remember when the paper came out. Remember when we got papers? And it said BYU number one as a young kid watching that. We were at the game, the McCanns, and uh, what a moment. Overcoming some obstacles with those turnovers and beating Michigan to stay undefeated and win the title. We've seen that 90 Miami and 84 holiday. BYU with a ton of turnovers in both games. Overcame them. Overcame them. 2009 Oklahoma is the seventh seed. Number 20 BYU, number three Oklahoma at Jerry's World. First college football game in that stadium. Oklahoma has the reigning Heisman winner Sam Bradford, a quarterback. Early touchdown to Andrew George. Later, Colby Clausen hit Sam Bradford, separating his AC joint, knocking him out of the game. Landry Jones comes in. There goes Bradford. Max Hall had a huge fourth down conversion to Dennis Pitta. Pitta, of course, his helmet probably came off in that one later. McKay Jacobson in the back of the end zone. I've told the story, I'll tell it again. That summer before, McKay had called Max and said, I'm open in the end zone. He caught the ball within feet of where he made that phone call. That summer, BYU wins 14-13. Goes all the way up to number nine in the AP poll. And that team finished 11-2. They were awesome. Go vote on Twitter today. One of the big differences, that game was on ESPN in prime time. And the BYU-Michigan game, I believe, was still on the Mizlou Network in 84. Whatever that is. <laughs> so uh, those who wanted to see it saw it. The Oklahoma game, everyone saw it because it was so easy to find on TV. That was, that was fun. On University Avenue in 800 North, I was part of like 300 students that would just run into the middle during a certain red light and then run back. And it was like, what are we? An impromptu party at the stadium. It was awesome. Speaking of big parties, we got one coming up July 1st, just around the corner, as BYU joins the Big 12 on that day. Our BYU Sports Nation game day crew will be live from 3 to 5, Mountain Time, 5 to 7 Eastern on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and the BYU TV app. We'll be right there behind the Student Athletic Building on the fields. Players, fans, a celebration of BYU being officially invited to the Big 12 on July 1st on BYU TV. Robbie Bosco weighs in on the best win bracket coming up after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. Think he's got an opinion on that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Can you be underrated if you win a national championship? Because I think our next guest is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in BYU history. Maybe he's in there. Come on, Robbie Bosco's on the show. Robbie, what's going on, man? Oh. Have you ever felt underrated as a BYU quarterback here? <laughs> I've never felt it. I mean, I, you know, like we went out there, we did what we had to do, and. I played on some great football teams, and we had a lot of fun playing. Uh, you get rasped quite a bit. I know Steve, Steve Young likes to get after you a little bit, um, but Jim McMahon, Ty Detmer, in the end, there's one guy that's got the ring, yeah. and that's you. Do you like to remind them of that? Um, you know what? They all know it. <laughs> <laughs> they all know it. So there's nothing much more you can say about it. So it's the... It's the beauty of winning that national championship. To be totally honest, it's the only thing that possibly could have been done to set you apart from all the great teams and right. great players that have ever played here. So that's something that will never be taken away from us. So we're, we're very proud 
to be a part of that. And were you thinking about that uh, when you went back onto the field after the injury? Uh, you're limping back out on the field. It's almost like, hey, you know what? No one, not to take me off on a stretcher. And they almost did, but that you came back. That, but there was no one that, no one was going to deny you of that finish. It was, uh, it was interesting. It definitely went through my mind like I've been fairly healthy this whole year and now it's the biggest game and yeah. I'm going to miss it. And I just couldn't do it. And I remember asking the, doc asking the doctors, is there anything if I go back out will hinder the rest of my career or in the future and anything like that? And he said, no. So I just taped me up as tight as you can do it and let's go. Let's go play. What exactly was the injury? So I had a couple ones. It was uh, some, some ligament damage on my knee. The, the biggest one was a high ankle sprain. Right. And that was causing most of the pain and the hobbling and stuff like that. And then I had a couple cracked ribs. Um, but the ankle That's it, was, Robbie? That was it. <laughs> After that, I, was, I felt pretty good. Jeez. So you're back in the pocket. We just saw it a moment ago. And you, you, you run forward to hit Kelly Smith. As you're running forward, are you feeling your ribs, your knee, and your ankle, or are you in this zone? No, you're in the zone. <laughs> I mean, seriously, anybody that's ever played when adrenaline kicks in, it's amazing the things that can happen. But stepping up in that pocket, there's a couple things I thought about. Offensive linemen, they were too ahead of me. I go, don't slow down. I didn't yell it, but I said, you know, think slow down, because if I want to throw it and they're past the line of scrimmage, right. a certain yardage, it's going to get called back. And the other one was, do I say go and let them go to get some extra blocking for me? And then just out of the corner of my eye, I saw Kelly kind of going down the sideline a little bit because he was supposed to set up about five yards deep and just throw him a little past there. Um, but I got the pressure up on the sides of me, and then he turned it up, and luckily I found him. And then he had to make a nice catch. You know, he catch got, it he got on beamed. the first thing, though. He bobbled it. <laughs> and so he did make a great catch, but I was like, when he bobbled it, I'm like, no. And so he did, made a great catch. And How about this one, Kozlowski in the back? Are Some you throwing think, this away yeah. or no? No. And everybody thinks I was. <laughs> it was not a very good, it wasn't a pretty throw. But what a catch. If I had to do a perfect throw there, I would have thrown it with more zip up high like I did but it kind of fluttered out of my hand and kind of hung up there a little bit. But Cosme had a great catch there. So when he went back to the sideline, did he look at it and you go, hey, I saved you? No, I reminded him about the one that went off the shoulders <laughs> that it was one of those interceptions that, you know, everybody looks at it like, oh, Bosco threw four picks, whatever. I'm like, I know, but look at some of the throws I made that bounced off their chest. We need better metrics on uh, interceptions. <laughs> it's yes, like, this one was a .2, which means it wasn't your fault or something. I yeah, like it that. Was the receiver. I like it. Kalani says, don't throw anyone under the bus, but it's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> so we're doing this best wins bracket, which has been really fun. Yeah. What is the best win in BYU football history to you? Because people forget you were the quarterback coach on the 1990 Miami team as well. Yeah, boy, I tell you what, there are a lot of good football games. I say BYU versus Miami, that is. Yes. Yeah. But there are a lot of good BYU wins when I played, when I coached. Um, you guys talked about one with the Kansas State yeah. in the New Year's Day Bowl. That seriously is one of the great wins we've ever had. Um, the Detmer game against Miami was a great one. And, you know, even when I go back to our season, you know, Games like the Morrell leap over against Hawaii, 
the fourth and 10 against Wyoming. But it ultimately comes all down to that final game when kind of all the marbles were on the line. We're ranked number one. We're in a position to win it all. Uh, have a lot of turnovers. Um, but our defense was spectacular all year. And I just got to go with that game as being the best. Think about it. If, if you lose that game, that was a great season in the, in the mix of a whole bunch of great seasons that most of us don't talk about unless we're specifically going there for a reason. But you win that game and it lives forever. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it would just be, I mean, how many times have we been 11 and one, 12 and one, 10 and one? We have left of games. 90, yeah. 96, yep. Yeah, so really you would just be right in the mix of all that. Nothing special about the season, but being ranked number one, um, something that we all hope that will happen again. But uh, it's just a special season. As a QB coach in 90, when did you realize, and, and before, when did you realize that Ty was going to be something crazy awesome? In 89. Really? I mean, yeah, that was my first year at BYU. As a, I was a graduate assistant, and he played. And, you know, if you go, if you go back, we had 5'10 receivers. We had nothing that was, like, crazy special. But Detmer made us really special, and he was a good player. I remember teaching things in practice that kind of had to be taught over and over and over, whether it was footwork or whatever. But with Ty, you told him once, and he got it. And he just understood the game, and that was another great one. Here's you saying, Ty, don't do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't hey, throw it to that guy. What are you doing, guy. Ty? Get over there. <laughs> there you are again. Uh, Ty tells some stories about uh, the relationship he had with, with Norm Chow, and, and maybe a play would come in and Ty didn't want to run it, so he'd, he'd run a play, or just audible or whatever. Um, <laughs> you're in the middle of that. There's, there's Chow, there's you, there's him. How much of that went on where when Ty took the field, he pretty much knew the plays that were going to work on down, or was he totally committed to what you guys sent him? You know what? He was, um, he was totally committed, but we, uh, we had free reign to change the plays and the play better worked <laughs> or have the idea why did you change the play and if it made sense then there was no problem even if it ended up being a pick or a sack or something like that but um yeah but for the most part we kind of did what was called and but we had a lot of free reign to make some changes what's the funniest conversation the two of you had when ty would come over to the sideline during a timeout Oh man, it, it may have been the, it may have been when his chin was bleeding in the Miami game. I can't remember what was said, but I mean he took one right in the chin and had a big giant tape job, right? Big tape right job and no time for stitches. Just no time <laughs> for stitches. And I, I think he may have got some though. But later, I mean he that's the kind of player he was though. He's a tough guy. For as little as he was, he was just a very tough guy and yeah. uh, he was fun to coach. When it comes to um, sort of the relationship with the coaches you mentioned, Mike Holmgren is, is your QB coach when you play and, and whatnot. Sort of the legacy of, of later becoming that guy. What was that like for you to become a QB coach at BYU? And then ultimately that guy wins the Heisman, which is arguably the greatest QB coach job of all time. Yeah, well, you know, I learned a lot from Coach Holmgren. I remember in 85, that was his last year, my senior year, and that was his last year coaching. And... We had a rough start against Air Force. I think they were ranked fifth in the country at the time. And I threw like two or three picks in the first half. 
And I'm sitting there, kind of not feeling right and everything. He came over to me and goes, how many fingers am I holding up? And so I was like, do you see what's going on out there? And so he kind of made light of it, kind of relaxed me a little bit. Um, we go on to win the game, but it taught me a lesson of you, you can't worry about what just happened. And, you know, Ty, with all the great numbers he, he had, he threw some picks. When you throw the ball that many times, you're going to throw some picks. And you can't dwell on those things. And so just make light of it or make like, hey, let's get out there. Let's take, it, let's take the team down there and drive and, and just be positive as a coach with, during the game time especially. It's like a life lesson. You know, what really matters is what are you going to do now despite whatever good or, or, or bad thing just happened? Yeah. I mean, it's so true. I mean, you can feel down and you can look at any sport around. If you let what just happened bother you, you aren't going to be very successful. You just got to move on and keep playing and tie myself. McMahon, Young, we won a lot of football games, and I think that was the attitude we all had. What do you think the vote disparity should be in this matchup between the 84 Holiday Bowl and this big win over Oklahoma in the uh, fan poll? Um, that was a great game. That was, that was a really good game. We went into that uh, feeling very confident, but I think that would be about a 75-25%. So a big win. So we'll follow up win. tomorrow. Beck to Harleen barely survived the combo, which is, which is wild. That, it, we're in the, the second round. The semifinals in the championship are going to be tough. nuts. It'll be crazy. I, I, I don't want to bring this up as sour grapes, but I just want to know what happened. There's all this talk of UTEP 85 that they tapped into the headsets. Did that really happen? Well, I don't think we know anything for sure, <laughs> but boy, it sure seemed like it. I mean, look, they were, they were one of the worst teams in college football. Yeah. We took the opening drive, and three passes later, we scored a touchdown. And so that may not have helped. It almost seemed like, oh, this is going to be easy. Do you think they allowed it if they had it to um, make you think it was going to be a good day? I don't know oh, if yeah. you give UTEP that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, look at. I think we were we were very confident. I think the injury bug got us in '84. We had some injuries, but everybody played through them. These ones were tough. In that game, I didn't have Kozlowski. I didn't have Bellini. Um, we missed a couple offensive linemen. Our defense wasn't the same. We just didn't have our team. What, what did you think when you go up to the line of scrimmage and they drop nine? which was unheard of in college football. Brent Musburger was talking about it on the NFL Today the next morning. That's how big of a thing it was that night because you had your winning streak snapped. But uh, your quarterback, all of a sudden, they dropped nine guys. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that is part of when, when word got out that they had uh, with the headphones, they didn't, line up any, they didn't line up any special way to drop nine, but it kind of felt... They knew our pass plays. I mean, they were very simple. A 60, a 70 was a pass, and the runs were what they call runs. And so it just kind of matched up perfectly for them. Yeah. And we'd, we'd do a naked, and they ran dudes right at me at, at, a, at, at, the, at a, a different angle than they normally would. So you can look back and think that, but you know what? If we would have played better, we would have still beat them. So. Hey, they got great food down there. And they had good food. And good BYU fans. Yeah, yeah BYU are, are fans. down there. Okay, BYU's going to the Big 12. We're 10 days away, Robbie. Um, 
We, we're kind of saying, hey, make a bowl game this first year and then build from there. Is that a fair expectation to sort of start at that point and just kind of see how tough the Big 12 is, or should there be a higher standard? Look, I think there's always a high standard at BYU, especially with the players and the coaches, and we want to win. I think we've been playing a similar Big 12 schedule for the last few years, being independent. Maybe not week after week after week after week. So that's what's going to catch up to us. But I think we could win six games. Um, and maybe more. I think we'll surprise some people. And so I, I think the key for now, until we can start adding better depth, yeah. is going to be our injuries for this first year. If we get some key injuries, it could be a little bit tougher. But if we can stay healthy, then I think we're going to do well and, and beat some teams. Keaton Slovis is the quarterback. He's told us that he feels like he's been here forever. Is it possible for a new quarterback to go out and play at BYU like he's been here forever? What are your expectations? This guy can. Really? Yeah. I've watched him in spring ball. Um, you can't see everything in spring ball because it's not completely live, but they're doing some good things. I've watched him throw the ball. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback here. I think he has, has enough experience to step right in there and, and do well, not like, like, oh, I've never been on this kind of stage before. Yeah. And so he's played in a lot of big games. I mean, he's played in Cougar Stadium when right. he was with USC. Super good kid. Um, I expect a lot out of him. He throws the ball well. Smart kid. And so I think he's going to have a good year. He's going to cross 10,000 passing yards here soon, which is pretty wild. Fifth year for him. Third P5 conference, uh, which is pretty wild. Robbie, we appreciate the time setting the record straight kind of on UTEP. Good to be here. Thank you. Fascinating stuff. Thanks, Robbie. The national champion quarterback at BYU. The Y Awards are coming up, and we invite you to join us as we honor the best and brightest within BYU athletics over the last year. You can watch or listen Friday, noon Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Up next, how are the Saints planning on using Taysom Hill just a little bit differently this year? This is BYU Sports Nation. They're going to try something else. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hey, follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem. He's Dave. Let's get to today's headline. Well, I had this shirt on for a reason. Uh, after the show, I'll take it off. Uh, the United States Women's National Soccer Team roster was released this morning. Former Cougar star Ashley Hatch left off of it. Ugh. Should she have been on it? Yes. I, I thought she was going to make it. We wanted her to be on there it. There were some notable injuries to a couple of forwards that made it so we thought she was going to be picked. She was not. I, I bet you she was first off with the forwards. Thank you, much. Which is just a bummer. She would have become the first Cougar in a World Cup roster. I'm going to keep the shirt on after. Well, because, because I'm America cheering for rules. Team USA and America yeah. rules. Yeah. But dang it. Is this it for her? Was this her one shot at the, a World Cup? Maybe she's available in the next one, but ah, it's tough. Four years. Four it's years. Four years is a long time. Hopefully, right. she's got another shot. Allie, let's try and rebound from this. Uh, Allie Hancock Schneeman, <laughs> named new softball assistant coach. She played for the Cougars from 2016 to 19. Was an assistant at Utah Valley in 21-22. She's married to Daniel Schneeman, who plays for the Columbus Clippers of the Guardians AAA affiliate, who had a hit last night as well. He's playing great. Absolutely. He's got a chance to get in the show. He's crushing it. Right? Uh, PFF released their ELO ratings for all FBS teams this morning, with BYU being ranked 53rd, which ranks in 10th 
among big, big 12 teams and last among the new Big 12 teams. What do you think of that? Uh, I don't like it, but uh, we just don't know what how tough the Big 12 is going to be. You know, going into next year, we're gonna we're gonna exaggerate whatever happens. If if it goes great, we're gonna think, oh, BYU's ready, like they're good. It's like, well, every year is gonna be hard, regardless of how good you are. We just know when Texas and Oklahoma leave, there's an opportunity to change the entire dynamic. There's of an that opening, yeah, and an opening for BYU to go. Absolutely. Okay, those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. NFL.com wrote an article about Taysom Hill yesterday highlighting an increased role catching passes as the tight end. Do you care how he's used in the Saints offense? No, just as long as he's used. Because when he's used, he's effective. And sometimes that's quarterback in the red zone. And we're going to see some RPO with Jamal Williams, which right. is going to be really Once fun. Once they get inside the 10. That's gonna happen. He's so tough to stop. Um, but yeah, if they, so they talked about, yeah, throwing more to him. That's a more foreign concept to him. Him running or passing is totally in his wheelhouse, but he's getting a lot of reps throwing or uh, catching the ball. The the signing of uh, Derek Carr certainly changes the dynamic there. And, and a, linebacker, a linebacker is gonna have a hard time defending Taysom downfield. Can't hang with his speed, his quickness. He was on my fantasy team for a little bit last year, so I'm for being utilized in any way possible. <laughs> Absolutely. But when he's running 60 yards for a touchdown, everybody wins. Okay, what's the greatest play with a nickname in BYU football history? We saw this uh, somewhere else and we thought, what, what is it for BYU football? Well, let's let's run down some of them. There's the uh, Manga Miracle at Nebraska. Um, Lavelle's last miracle. I don't know what if there was a, a nickname for that win at Utah in his last hurrah that, that Brandon Doman talked to us about the other day. Miracle Ball. That's an easy one. That's the one. Remember, we all got glasses, Miracle Ball glasses. My grandma juice, had that glass growing up, dude, in Orange. tastes better in down. those glasses. Yes, the orange juice was sweeter. Oh, yeah. Back to Harleen's kind of its own thing. It just takes you immediately to that spot in that game. I don't know if it's a nickname. That's a description a definer. of players. Yeah. Uh, there was the finish at Tennessee with, with uh, Micah, Micah Simon. Miracle. Micah Miracle. We just like Miracle in the names of stuff, I guess. But how about the doink? The doink's pretty good. How 98 at Utah. The doink. Kenishiro misses. I'm in the Utah student section with my BYU-loving Ute student uncle, <laughs> Connell, and he, uh, who lives in El Paso, by the way, huge BYU fan. And he, he said, uh, I couldn't see the kick. And everyone cheered because Utah was, ah! And BYU fans were, yay! And so I said, what happened? He's like, he missed it! I was sitting in the car in the Fred Meyer parking lot. Fred Meyer? <laughs> in Vegas? No, in Orem. Oh, in Orem. It's where Vasa the gym is now yeah. up there. And I wasn't about to go in the store because the game was on. My, I don't even know how I got roped to go in the phone. store. I'm listening to Paul James on the radio. It's a chip shot field goal. So I, I remember bracing myself for the ultimate disappointment of losing to the Utes. And then this happened. The doink, and the doink is so loud. You can go on YouTube and just hear it. It's there, There's something so hollow and painful about it for the Utes in their stadium. And I just remember sitting in the car going, oh, this is the greatest day of my life. And it was on the deuce. And remember, that ESPN2 logo was like, yeah, it was like <laughs> X Games was their brand. It was fun, man. The doink. Big Game Boomer ranked BYU fans as the fourth most passionate college football fan base in the Big 12. Yep. Too high, too low, what do you think? Well, he has Texas at ninth. <laughs> Texas is number one. And there are 100,000 fans. In this list. Oh, it's like everybody in Texas almost. I, I would think that BYU's top four, I agree with that. I think BYU, obviously, in our super biased opinion, has a very fa uh, passionate fan base. Um, yeah, I would put them up there in the Big 12. 
They're the most sober fan base in the Big 12. Number one. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about it with our BYU game day experience. The with soberness? Teams coming, with teams coming and just the league and, and this oh, passion. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and road games are going to be interesting. And uh, We have no idea what it's like to play in Morgantown. We're going to find out. And maybe it'll be the most frightening experience of our lives. Or maybe we like, you know what? Wait till you guys come to our place the following year. Um, the cool thing is, it's a league that's psyched about being in it. And so everywhere we go, including Kansas in the opener, should be off the charts. Yeah, I, th I think it's gonna. It's a great fit. It's going to be awesome. Okay, there's a trend on Twitter right now where you have 100 points to assign between your favorite sports teams based on how much you cheer for them, like them, whatever. So what? What? how are your 100 points of, let's go non-BYU divided, Dave. So is that like 100 runs for the Cubs? Is that, is that how you want to do That's it? That's exactly how I do it. No, nobody else? Just go? No, I just go, I just pour it all on, on, on the Cubs and, and, and give them 100 runs. Boy, we'd, we'd, I think we'd be in first place. You'd be like the Reds or Giants right now, uh, who have won 10 and 9 in a row. Hey, Michael Rucker would appreciate if we yeah. just said, hey, here's 100 runs. You know, enjoy that in the bullpen because yes. you're going to be in ahead. And then you have zero earned runs. Uh, I, I tried to break my down. I go 30% Mariners, 25% Seahawks, 20% USA Soccer, 20% Chelsea, and then I've got some Jazz and Blazers. So you got more teams than I got. I got more teams. I got more mouths to feed. I just, I know the one budget. If you will. Here it is. There it goes. <laughs> and we'll see the Cubs back in the series. Hey, join BYU football head coach Kalani Sataki and student-athlete speakers Tyler Batty, Whitney Bauer, Olivia Katoa, and Chase Roberts. It's a unique and special BYU Athletics devotional. It's at the Marriott Center. Nice. Sunday night. You can get there in person, or you can watch it live on BYU TV at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Olivia I love Katoa the idea. Was, we should do more of it. Yeah, was Olivia Wade. She got married, so that's who that is, if you're wondering who that is. From soccer. Okay, after the break, more of your responses on the most revealing month of the BYU football schedule. This is BYU Sports Nation. I still like November. I know you like September. No, September. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Jeremy Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Good to have you. Hey, 10 days away from the Big 12, man. It, it almost, like, it feels like we've been in the Big 12 for a while. But the reality of that, I don't think actually sets in, not in 10 days, but when BYU plays Kansas and Cincinnati and so on, and we're seeing that patch and soccer and volleyball and football and whatnot, then it sets in, I think, probably? I think so. It's the fastest summer we've ever had because the, the portal extended all football channels. Yes. Thank you. We have a daily show. And then the July starts with this. July ends with the guys reporting. So Don't forget Football Media Day. Yeah, hey, we're middle, not throwing our own. We go to them. Yeah, we'll be in Dallas for that. And, and, then, and then practice is here. I mean, AFR starts in less than five weeks. I know. You guys are going and, super early. And we're it? like going, hey, wait a sec. But this is what we love. Yep. It's what we do. And, but, I, but this year, because of all these things that mark the calendar, it feels like uh, we might just skip summer. The weather around here is still in spring. You know, we're almost out of June. We haven't had a hot day. We're yet. about to hit 90 for the first time in Utah this week. It's so crazy. it hasn't even been that hot. Yeah. Okay. Our question of the day is this. What's the most revealing month of games on the BYU football schedule? Dave said November. I said September. Jordan Brady may be one of the smartest guys on Twitter. Let's skip his. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> gotta be November. He agrees with you. I think how they finish the season will be very telling. Injuries, as you mentioned, depth, adjustment to new scheme and teammates, etc. I think we'll finally know what they're made of in November. Yeah. It, so we've used the word revealing. Yeah. Defining is is similar idea. 
it's like how, because my argument is how quickly BYU starts will define how or reveal how well they have to play in November. But I think regardless, BYU is qualifying for a bowl game in November. It's just how hard do they have to work to get there. Yeah. Yeah, and the reveal is, did they have enough to put themselves in a position to do it? The defining is, yes, they did or no, they didn't. They did it. Right? Because then you've got, the great thing about the Big 12 is there's a second year coming, right? So you learn all this, and, and then you get to go kind of restock the shelves again, um, having never done it before. And so I, I, th I think you're, every single game is really going to be revealing, right? Uh, were we good enough to beat Kansas? Or are we good enough to take down Texas Tech in our place or, or not? Um, that's the reveal of, huh, we're going to play them next year, so what do we got to do to get better in between? So, you know, it's, it's not a free pass year because tickets are expensive and expectation is high. But, man, first time out, we're going to learn a lot. There's going to be a lot revealed. Expectations are high in that we believe, and Jeff Hansen said this, this is a great point, like how will you define success besides wins and losses? He said how competitive BYU is. Yeah. Like that BYU does not get just blown out in several of these games, but they're, if BYU, when BYU loses, that they were competitive, that they were in the game. And there'll be some level of moral victory in year one sure. where it's like, okay, BYU had six regular season losses. There were only two that were by 17-plus, which is a three-score game, hence my 17-plus thing. Like at Arkansas, be competitive because the next week you're playing at Kansas and you're going up against a tremendous offense. Arkansas, by the way, returns the same quarterback that torched BYU last year, K.J. Jefferson. you got to show up. But the defense is different. The reset button has been pushed with the hiring of Jay Hill. You have 20 new incomers uh, from the transfer portal. This is a new look and feel BYU team, yet the familiarity is we still have Aaron Roderick running the show on offense, which has been awesome the last few years. The culture is great with Kalani Satake. You're getting guys from other schools who are talented, who want to come in. Think of the Pukas and the Kingsleys, who didn't start at BYU. It was disappointing when they didn't choose BYU. But they have come back, and here they are at BYU. And now there's never been a bigger season and offseason in BYU history in terms of we're in a Power 5 league. We don't know how hard it's going to be, but gosh dang it, we're going to get after it and see if we can't be interesting in the next couple of years. It's a contrast between a sprint and a marathon. As an independent, September was a sprint. Run as fast as you can because we're playing four P5s in five games. Get ranked and, at 3-1 and, and, and then hope it You know what, let's get to see what we got left. But now it's a marathon and there are markers, right? It's, it's not all hinging on September. It's not all hinging on October. It's hinging on, okay, I get to mile three, then I get to mile 12, then I get to mile 16, and, and now I said, you know what, I can finish this marathon, I hope, right? But, but it, a marathon is never done in a sprint because physically you can't do it. But, but now the mentality is you, you, you don't have to be perfect, one, to be in contention, um, and we're not going to be perfect in this first year. But it's the marathon of it's not all about September because there's a giant October. And then, hey, once you get that point, you can't hit the wall because November's coming. More to play for, too. There, there are players who have said after they've graduated, they didn't want to admit it while they played, that in independence, it was tough once you lost like that second game. It's like, well, what now? It's, yeah. it's human nature. The you bowl bet. game that we've been told we're going to. We're not playing for something bigger. You don't know what bowl game you're going to exactly. You need to finish in a certain place and whatnot. Like, you have a chance at a bowl game that BYU's never been to, for one, and two, that pays you more than even the Cotton Bowl in 97 does now. Hey, and every Saturday, we looked at the opening day schedule for the Big 12 last night, Blaine and I. Every Saturday, 
is there's seven games to watch or six mm -hmm. or, or eight or whatever. Where it, the Texas-Baylor game's huge on the day BYU plays Kansas for BYU um, and, and everyone else in the league. And, and that's the rush we haven't had since, uh, since our days in the conference. We've lived on a farm by ourselves. Now we moved into a neighborhood. <laughs> and it's a the... nice neighborhood. Let's go. In the city. Yep. By a country club. Yeah. By Billy Crystal. Hey, <laughs> Jerem, David Nixon, Kristen Kozlowski, the great Tyler Hawes, going to sit down and discuss the challenges and excitement surrounding BYU's move to the Big 12, just like we're doing this morning. It's a Big 12 roundtable, and you can watch it Monday at noon Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up, who gets today's rise and shout out? This is BYU Sports Nation. There's the clue. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, what's the most revealing month of games on BYU's football schedule? Our Elite Voice of the Day is presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated. Jim Roberts, MN on Twitter. November. Cougar Nation has been waiting 12 years for a schedule in November like that. We have waited patiently for that kind of schedule. And, and like it or not, it's coming, and it's going to reveal a lot. Let's go. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Women's basketball continues to recruit at a super high level. Top 50 ESPN rated players coming in here the next couple of years. I think of that Vincent Van Gogh painting, Starry, Starry Night. There's stars all over that program. Four more after last night. They had a Van Gogh exhibition come like two years ago to Salt Lake. It was great. <laughs> right, thanks to today's guest, Robbie Bosco, speaking of stars. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand at BYUSN.com. He wasn't throwing this away, we know. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time for Dave, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Jimmy Balderson. Go Cougs. Did you know BYU won the national championship in 84? That was awesome.